All right, our uh, passage that we've been working from is Luke chapter 17 and verse 20. And uh, so I want us to uh, read that again. This is going to be the launching pad, I, I believe, for probably all the way into March um, that we are talking about uh, this issue of the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Listen, if I could convince you of anything today, I would convince you that you're not going to learn more about God just by observing. The deep things of God are not learned by observing, they're learned by experience. God is experiential. One of the greatest travesties that ever happened, and this is why I know that things are, that we are rough around the edges. Listen, Church of Living, sometimes announcements, announcements today, maybe that felt to you like a free-for-all. We're rough around the edges. You know what? The greatest travesty that happened in the American church was that when we just became all religious and spiritual, and we just came to sit and learn and go home with what we learned. God is experiential. We have come to encounter the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so if that makes us a little rough around the edges, and if that makes us a little unusual, that's just okay, because we are going to encounter the presence of Almighty God. Now we're going to learn his word. We're going to know what his word says. We're going to live by his word. We're going to walk by his word. We're, hopefully we're going to develop in our own lives the character of God and we're going to give expression to the character of God in the earth. But God was intended to be experienced. And so we are not coming to absorb just simple understanding about who God is. We're coming to encounter him, to become the friend of God, to become the son of, and daughter of God, to become the child of God, to become the individual who's in intimate relationship with him, to become the carriers of the kingdom of God in the earth. The kingdom of God does not come by observation. The kingdom of God comes by participation. Now, I'm going to share with you from the scriptures today in the book of Luke, chapter 10. Uh, we're not going to spend, we could spend a few weeks in this passage, chapter uh, 10, verse 1 to, through 23, but we're just going to pick out some highlights because I want to share with you, this is, this is at a point in time when Jesus took 70 individuals and he sent them out to do the work of the kingdom. And so in uh, chapter 10 and verse uh, 1, it says, After this, the Lord appointed uh, 70 others and sent them out ahead of him, two by two, into every city and every place where he was about to go. Now, let's just kind of unpack some of this as we go. Can we do this? There's a key right there that we've missed that I just read to you. The Bible says that the Lord appointed these 70 and he sent them ahead of him to go and to establish a presence where he was about to go. We're waiting on God to show up and God is trying to get us to go and establish territory where he can come in and move. 
He sent you ahead of him. We are all forerunners of the presence of God. Just like John the Baptist went preaching in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. The message of the church is still in our generation, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And so wherever you go, what you are doing is you are setting an environment for the arrival of the presence of God in your workplace, in your extended family, in your relationships, in in the relationships of anyone over whom God has given you influence, you have an assignment to go ahead of him and be there when he arrives. I know that we haven't thought about that. We, we, We probably haven't taught that enough. But the Bible says that he sent those 70 ahead of him. There are some places that the presence of God will not go until you get there. God is not going to show up and do the miraculous signs and wonders that he would like to do and bring the presence of God and the healing and and the deliverance that he would like to bring absent your participation ahead of him. Oh, but if I have to go ahead of him, whoa. There's the clip. If I have to go ahead of him, that means I'm on my own. No, he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He said, I put my spirit in you. You're not going alone. But one of the discussions we had in prayer this morning, uh, we're talking to, to Mary when we we're praying over some things that are happening at Mary's work how God is moving there, is that Jesus said to the disciples, occupy until I come. Occupy is a military term. We took it, we, listen, our culture took it as occupy, meaning take up space. You see this space is occupied right here? That's not what that term means. Occupy means Get up and go into territory where the Spirit of the Lord has never moved before, where God has never had access before. Put your foot in that territory and set an environment for God to move. One of the greatest things that that I think, one of the greatest things that's taking place right now that's really an odd approach to ministry for the church is, is uh, what Matt Helen is doing in Amsterdam. In Amsterdam, prostitution is legal. And they have a whole section of the city called the Red Light District where uh, they just advertise prostitution and it's just out there for the whole world to see. And Matt and his wife have went in and secured a room in the Red Light District where they have set up a chapel and they're having prayer and ministry to those people who were locked in human trafficking. They're taking the presence of the Lord into the dark places where the presence of the Lord has never been invited before. They're going before him into this difficult assignment, expecting that God will follow them in there and show up. He sent them ahead of him. He sent them ahead of him. Do you see that? Wow, that's all just with one verse. We'll never get through this. So he said, the harvest is abundant. There are many who need to hear the good news about salvation, but the workers, the laborers, are few. Therefore, prayerfully ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his harvest. You know the trouble with that prayer? 
What's the trouble with Lord send laborers into the harvest? If I pray Lord send laborers into the harvest, do you know how he'll answer that prayer? He'll say, okay, go. I, I believe that the writer understood that, that if I can get you to pray for the Lord to send laborers, that prayer will allow your eyes to be open to see where you are sent. Hmm. So then he just says, go your way. I'm just going to have to move along here. Go your way. Listen carefully. I'm sending you out like lambs among among wolves. That's comforting. I'm sending you out. He said, like lambs among wolves. I'm sending you out with gentleness. I'm sending you out where you, appear, you may appear to be the weaker. You may appear to not have it all going on. You may appear to not... Sometimes when I get a picture of what God's doing in this place, I feel like, Lord, I, I just don't have it all together. He's like, yeah, I know. Isn't that great? <laughs> I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. It's a picture of what it appears. To the enemy. The enemy looks at you and thinks, oh, I can take them. And he's like, whoa, what have I bitten into? Because you've put on the full armor of God. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So he says, I'm sending you out. He's talking about your nature. I'm sending you out with gentleness. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. I love those babies. The Holy Spirit loves those babies. Isn't that sweet? Sending you out like lambs, lambs, among, lambs among wolves. So listen. Don't carry money, provision, extra sandals, and don't greet anyone along the way who would delay you. You know what, the, you know, you know what that says to me? First of all, it's a promise of God's provision. But really what it's saying to us is don't overthink this. We in the Western church in the United States, we have come to the conclusion that before we can do what God is asking us to do, we need one more thing. We can always think of one more thing that we need. We can always think of one more provision that we must have. We can always think of one more, I could always use one more pair of shoes. I could always use a few more dollars. But he says, don't think that way. Just go and know that I'm going with you. Know that I'm taking care of you. Know that I'm providing for you. And whatever house you enter, just say peace. Speak a blessing of well-being and prosperity and the favor of God to that house. And if anyone of peace is there, someone who is sweet-spirited and hospitable, your blessing of peace will rest on them. And if not, it will return to you. It really is a message of simplicity in the sharing of the gospel. 
You know what he's saying? Dominic, he's saying, go and speak to the people who will receive the message that you're giving. And if someone won't receive it, move it along and go to someone who will. Don't invest your time in in a person who's continually rejecting the message. Pray for a season in their life when they can receive the word and move your energies and your effort to someone who will receive what you have to pour out. Don't be challenged by that. It's a message of simplicity in the sharing of the gospel. It's a message of simplicity in the expression of the kingdom. You go to someone who's sick in the hospital room and in the, in the waiting room and you say, oh, I just felt led of the Lord. I just feel like I'd like to pray for you. Would it be all right if I pray for you? If they say no, you go, oh, okay. Next. Next. Brother Matt said when he was here and we were working in the streets of the city, he was so excited because we, we went to the mall and everyone we asked, no one, no one, I don't think in, in all of that evening that maybe only one or two that had someone say no thank you when they said could they pray for them and they weren't rude about it, they just said no thank you. And Matt said in Amsterdam that the, the darkness is so pervasive in Europe and he said that we, we might go out and we might ask 20 people, can we pray for you before one person will let us? He said this valley is ripe for harvest. You must recognize what you have and, and press into it while, while the harvest is ready, while people are hungry, while they're saying yes. Because if, if we don't carry the gospel when the harvest is ripe, then, then we will experience greater rejection in seasons to come. The harvest is ripe. The labors are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest would send you. Oh, I, I wrote that my way, didn't I? So he says, when you go in to a place and they welcome you, eat what is set before you and heal those who are sick. How hard is that? I don't know how hard that is because we don't do it. He does it. So excited about testimony Jeremiah and Courtney have. The little baby that is in Valley Children's Hospital that we prayed for. When we first prayed for that baby, the doctors told them to notify their family the baby would not live. The message that they received was there was, there was little or no hope for the life of that child. We prayed... And, and we're not the only ones praying. I, believe me, I'm not taking credit for anything. We prayed. They went out, loved on that family and the baby. And then they went back again and took a blanket that grandma made and prayed again. God turned that situation around. That baby is alive today. And the prognosis is that baby's going home. And the plan is that God is raising that baby up with life and health. Well, then they come to church and they give their life to Jesus. Surprise! God turns situation around for you. You might pay attention to him too. We're just rejoicing. That is in, in simplicity. The Bible said just go in and if you're received, heal the sick. But we just get so, we get so concerned about how it might turn out. Because if it doesn't turn out the way we want it to turn out, 
then we have to deal with the fallout of that moment. Can God just be God for a minute? Hey, first time I prayed for someone to be healed, that I really went in faith for someone to be healed, I attended the lady's funeral just a few days later. Did it stop me from praying and believing God for healing? No, it did not. It taught me to command healing. And I put her business, the issues, whatever whatever happened in her heart that took her on into the presence of the Lord, that's, that's between her and Jesus. That's none of my business. But I know the healer. And so he said, just wherever you go, just go in, heal sick. Listen to what, this is, this is from the Amplified, and I picked this specifically because I love the way it says it in verse 8. Wherever you go into the city and they welcome you, eat what is set before you. Heal those who are sick, authenticating your message. Heal those who are sick, authenticating your message. The intention of the Lord is that he will authenticate the message. These signs will follow them that believe. Quit waiting for a sign and, and start producing one. Somebody said one time, what are we going to do? Diamonds and gold dust and all that start showing up in the church. I said, nothing different than we're doing now. We're going to keep preaching Jesus. We're not looking for a sign. Jesus said it's actually a foolish and untoward, rebellious generation that seeks a sign. Signs are supposed to follow you. I know I'm repeating myself. I've said that before. Signs are not supposed to arrive for you. They're supposed to follow you. We're not looking for a sign. We're producing a sign. So go heal the sick. Well, how do I do that? Well, it just seems very simple to me to say, be healed in Jesus' name. How hard is that? Listen, wait. You're, I heard you. I heard your thoughts. Wait. I heard your thoughts. But I, I don't have the faith for that. Roger will remember this. I can't remember the, the uh, preacher that was here. Uh, what's that guy's name, Roger? With the, his hand is Dick Joyce. Dick Joyce was here man named Dick Joyce was here, and this guy came forward for healing. He was on crutches. He had those crutches that wrapped your arms like this. Both of his legs were bent, like massively bent. And he come forward and stood up here for healing. And Dick Joyce picks me. Go lay hands on his legs for healing. And when I got over there, he was mean and rude to me. I mean, he was rude to me. The man, I'm going to lay hands on his legs for healing. He's rude to me. Harsh. And I thought, well, see if you get anything from God. I mean, I just got super religious right away. So he made some off-the-cuff comment, let's see what God can do. And I said, I just, I, it was everything that I could muster within me. I said, yeah, let's. And I laid hands on one of his legs and I commanded it to be healed. And he kind of went like that. And then he goes, don't forget about the other one. I mean, he was just harsh. 
It's like, well, I can see you have two legs. I'm not likely to forget. So I laid hands on the other leg and commanded it to be healed. And he shook it out like that for a minute. He threw those crutches up over his shoulder like that. And he walked straight down that wall as straight as you could walk, just like this, in the most ungrateful fashion I'd ever seen in my life. And I thought, he didn't have the faith to be healed. And I didn't have the faith for him to be healed. Where did that come from? And I discovered that for all of those things about uh, needing a certain amount of faith and all of that stuff that the Word says, it's all true. But these signs will follow them that believe. And God confirms His Word with signs following. So Reverend Joyce had preached on healing and talked about healing, and God confirmed His Word with signs following. And I chased the guy out to the back patio out there and I said wait a minute God just did something amazing for you he goes yeah I did didn't he I said you need to walk with God he loves you he didn't want to hear that and he left I never saw him again I don't know whatever happened to him but he walked out of here with those crutches up over his shoulders and I realized it's not about me and it's not really about that guy. It's about him. And if he wants to do it, let him do it. He doesn't need my approval. He certainly doesn't need my little bit of faith. He needs my obedience. So I gave him my obedience and the man was healed. Now what he did with that is between him and God. If he wanted to go on being uh, nasty and bitter and harsh, that's his business. But I know that there were some seeds sown in his life that he'll never forget. And what God does with that is between him and God. I'm not God. Thank Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. Because things would be a mess if we were running the things according to my mind. Brenda, you said yes too, too intently. <laughs> So he just says, if you go into a place and they don't receive you, just walk away. Dust it off. Go on. Could we get that? Just go in, do the stuff, go. If they don't receive you, go to someone that will. And just pray for a new season in their life. Just ask God to bring them into a season. I, listen, when we're raising our children, there's always times in their life where we look, we look at one of our kids, and we're, Laura and I have these private conversations. That child needs a new season with God. Okay, we agree together. We're going to pray for there to come a new season in their life. We agree together. We begin to make that our prayer, and before long we see that God's addressed that issue, and a new season has arisen in their life. And suddenly there's a new passion for the things of the Lord that are rising up. Just pray for a new season in their life. Just ask God. He loves them. You forget. God loves the people you're witnessing to far more than you do. Even if it's your own mother. He loves her more than you do. He loves your children more than you. I love my kids, but I'm telling you what. God's got one up on me where they're concerned. Because he loved them before I did. He knew them before I did. 
So just keep that in mind. So he says, I'm sending you. Pray for others to be sent as well. Don't spend time with people who delay you. Do you know how many delays we let arrive in the process of ministry out of our life? So then the people return. I want to get to this. Lord, help me. The people return to, to the Lord in verse 17. The 70 return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Whoa. Lord, even the demons have to do what we say under your authority. I wonder how many of these 70 that went out had this whole process of thought about how insignificant they were and about how unprepared they were and about how unworthy they were and about how they didn't even know what they were doing. Nothing that all of us haven't thought. The worst thing in the world, the first thing the enemy wants to get you to do is to talk yourself out of walking in the authority that's been given to you. And the first thing he'll come and do is he'll talk to you about your worthiness. If it was ever about your worthiness, you wouldn't be in the presence of the Lord today. It was never about your worthiness. It's always been about the worthiness of Jesus. So in that discussion, the Holy Spirit just really impressed on me that these 70, they went out. They went out insecure. Some of them went out ugly. They went out with every ability to talk them out of the ability to do what God had called them and assigned them to do. But they come back amazed because even the demons had to obey them in the name of Jesus. Under the authority of Jesus, the demons had to come out. I'm telling you, I've had more fun when I've called demons into chat. It's a blast. It is a blast. Is it a little unnerving? Oh yeah, at times. I haven't had nearly as much experience and exposure in that area as I presume that I'm about to have. I do think that what is ahead of me is greater than what is behind me. But the challenges that I faced, facing with the demonic, I have never one time called the demonics into check that they didn't come into check immediately because of the authority of Jesus. You have it. Same authority I've got, because it's all from him. So, this is what Jesus said. I want you to listen to this. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. When you did what you were supposed to do, I saw the power of the enemy fall. That's the place where the enemy was standing when Job was accused. Remember that? Job stood next to God, or Satan stood next to God, and God and him had a conversation about Job. And Job began to accuse him, if you would just take your hand off him a little bit, I could make him deny you. That was the place that Satan stood next to God in the heavenlies. Jesus says he's no longer there. Satan is no longer standing next to God in the heavenly saying, well, have you considered Charles? 
You just let me mess with him for a while and I'll make him kick you to the curb. That conversation is not happening anymore. Because those seats have been occupied with some new occupants. Satan has been cast down. Come on, say that with me. Satan has been cast down. Ephesians 2.4 says that God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us even when we were dead in trespasses before oh you got to get this this may be a theological conundrum for you when you were dead in trespasses when you were dead before you said yes you see, God lives, God lives outside of time. So he calls it like he sees it before you respond to it. So he says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The pl this is why the devil hates you. You're sitting where he was. He was accusing you before God. He got booted out and, and Jesus said, come on and sit here with me. We spend our time looking at life from the horizontal plane when God has called us to look at life from his perspective and to see things the way he sees them because he has seated us there with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The enemy is no longer accusing you there. You are there calling the shot. You are there under the authority of Jesus calling the enemy into his place. I really think there's some conversations between God and you going, have you considered that old devil that's been messing up on your street? Maybe you ought to take some authority there. That's the conversations that are going on in the heavenlies now. Have you considered your city? And what is taking place in your city? Have you considered the folks that you're meeting every day in your grocery store? And some of the challenges that they are facing? And some of the things that the enemy is messing up in their life? Uh, behold, I've given you authority. Therefore, go. Have you considered? That's the conversations that are taking place in the heavenlies now. Man, when we pray... When we pray and when we are in intercession and we're having conversations with God from that place and that perspective, he begins to talk to us and he begins to share with us and gives us understanding of things we would never understand outside of heaven's perspective. That's why we keep pr pressing on prayer and intercession, learning to talk with God. So he, he, needs to, he would love to give you perspective about your kids. He would love to give you his perspective about your employer. He would love to tell you ahead of time when things are going to shift. He would love to have conversations with you about your future so that you knew what was going on before the circumstance arose. So that you weren't blindsided by circumstances and blown by every wind. So the 70 came back with joyous results. Satan has fallen and you have been seated in his place. Satan has fallen and you've been seated in his place. 
In conclusion today, when the, when the, um, the, the prayer teams will be up here in just a few minutes, but I want to play a video for you to conclude this message. It's about three and a half minutes, and I want you to hear someone who can articulate this point, I think, better than I. His name is Todd White. I love this man. Can you guys run that video for me? I don't know where Felicia is. She's, she's knows about this. But he's talking about this point of us being who we are to be in the kingdom of God. You'll have to put some volume on that, son. I sent that through Messenger to your face, but so that's... Felicia said she set it up. Call your woman. She stepped out for a minute. It's all right, they'll get it in just a minute. I want you to think about something while they're doing that. I said a couple of weeks ago, everyone in, in, in the context of the life of the church should know what their ministry is. That's, that should not be complicated. You should know what your ministry is. And you should know a place of service, a place where you are serving. Let me know when that's ready. Okay, just a minute. Now that, now, that, now that I'm on this track, just a minute. Just make sure we have good volume. Be ready for me. I want, I want to honor some, some folks in my life that some of you would never even know about. But for everyone who is touched by the ministry that comes out of, uh, out of Lauren I's life and out of, out of the development and the discipleship of my life, First of all, many of them will never meet my mom and dad. But I am shaped and formed as a man of faith and as a believer because of the investment that, that those two people made in my life. But I think about Sunday school teachers. There was this lady, her name, she lives in Idaho. She just, uh, just beat cancer this last year. Her name is Barbara Posey. She was my junior church, church teacher when I was growing up. The word is in me because she made an investment. Powerhouse folks, you have no, no idea. I can tell you examples of the object lessons that she gave us in those years when I was in second, third, and fourth grade. I still remember those object lessons today. There was a, a man named Wayne Davis that was my junior teacher when I was in elementary school. He would go by the biggest trophies he could get. I mean, they were almost as tall as we were so that we'd bring a visitor, bring a Bible, bring an offering, learn a memory verse, just to get us to do. He didn't, it, the cost was not an issue. He just was going to reward us. I, I think I had about 12 of those things. <laughs> when I, what do you do with that stuff? I mean, they were like three-foot-tall trophies. But every time I looked at one, I remembered something that I had been taught by a man who invested in my life, who shaped the Word of God in me who shaped the values of Christianity, who shaped the values of the character of Jesus. My youth pastor's name was Monty Ferreira. Some of you may know him. He lives here in Fresno somewhere. He was a biker that got saved. And he invested his life in youth ministry and changed me because of it. I saw the tenderness of Jesus in the life of a man who came humbly before the Lord. And then, of course, 
Pastor Bill Wilson, who was I was his, I was his associate pastor, and and he was a spiritual father in my life. And you guys know Larry Miniger, and of course Roger Halverson. All of these people who have shaped my life. Who I, I may go touch someone's life and change their life and impact their life. They'll never know the people around me. But listen, when you say yes to Jesus and you know your place of service and you touch somebody's life, somebody was Billy Graham's Sunday school teacher after all. He knows their name. I don't know their name. But thousands of people have been saved and they've got a reward because they invested in developing the spiritual life of that individual. Don't say no to an opportunity to serve in this house. You never know whose life you're shaping and what you'll produce.